enjoying the nice cool down in the weather. It's kind of nice, isn't it? Yeah, I like it too. As a matter of fact, I think, I think it's going to be like this kind of about through April. And uh, all is going to be well. So how many of you vote for that? Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Well, it is great to see you on a beautiful weekend. I'm glad you're enjoying it and getting out there. Labor Day weekend. Some of you, I know you're just visiting family and they drug you to church today. Sorry about that. But we are glad you're here. And if you are a guest at Timberline, we just say thank you for being here. It can be awkward to be a guest at a new church. And all we ask of you is to just take a moment and grab a connection card in the chair back in front of you right there and uh, fill that out. Don't be afraid of us coming. We're not going to come over, call you, bug you. Uh, the only thing we'll do is send you the stuff you ask for by checking the boxes on the back of this card. So if you do want information about some of the ministries, put your email address on there, check those boxes, and we'll email you that stuff. And thank you for being at Timberline. There are many great churches in northern Colorado. Our goal really as a church is to partner with other Bible-believing churches. And we want you to get invested and involved where God places you to use your gifts and utilize the stuff that's in you for the kingdom of God. Make sure you read through your bulletin. We, we try to really print everything so we don't have to stand up here and give a bunch of announcements. So read through it. Tables in the mall. If you're new to Timberline, that's people manning those tables out there. Maybe you have questions about some of these ministries. Some of them are sign-up opportunities, get registered opportunities. So that's why we do that every week. You can go from here right back there and talk to someone and sign up and all that kind of stuff. We really appreciate it. The only big thing I want you to know is this Wednesday night kicks off our journey service again. We're looking forward to that. Pastor Rob, Pastors Rob, Brent, Cunningham and Dick Foth uh, sit here with coffee and and uh, talk about we're going to do the Lord's Prayer this fall, taking a little break from the book of Acts and going to move through the Lord's Prayer word for word. And so we hope you'll be here. There's tons of stuff for kids. It's a full family night. And we've changed the time to be a little more family friendly from it used to be 7 to 820. It's going to be from 7 to 8 o'clock. And so uh, you can get home in time and tuck the kids in. So please be here Wednesday. That kicks off this Wednesday at 7. It's kind of exciting. Right now, we're having our first service in the park at Windsor. Pastor Reza's over there, and they sent us a couple pics. And so keep them in your prayers. Uh, Main Park in Windsor, and we have a float in the parade tomorrow. So if you want to go by it out at Windsor, that'll be great for our new campus that will be opening this, this fall. Good stuff. Well, I have an opportunity right now to do something really fun, and that's to honor someone for a life well lived and some things that they have done here at Timberline. I want my wife, Bonnie, to help me do this. Bonnie, would you come up here for a second? And um, it's pretty rare. The average stay for a pastor, especially an associate pastor, is uh, between three to five years, depending on the part of the country that you examine. And we have a pastor uh, on our staff who has served for 20 years here at Timberline, John Cook. I'm going to ask Pastor John and his wife, Teresa, to come up here. We're going to thank, we're going to appreciate them in a minute, but um, I want to say a couple things about them. It's, uh, it's really amazing what happens through the years. Some of you are not going to believe this when I say it, but it's, it's a fact. Okay, this is the truth. I have known Pastor John for just over 40 years. I was like 10 when we met. That's true. I came, we, our family moved to Grand Junction, and Pastor John was my Royal Ranger commander. And he taught me how to march. 
and uh, all that good stuff. And he, he was a great mentor in my life. And so it's kind of fun to see all these years go by. And um, it, it's cool, too, because we worked for Denver for, in Denver together for about five years at a church. And that's where we had our working relationship and, and the friendship grew. Bonnie and I actually went with John and Teresa on their first date. We double dated to Marie Callender's. Remember that? And uh, they just sat over in the booth and made out the whole time. And we were, we were trying. just kidding. Okay, I shouldn't have said that. We had, we had, uh, yeah. We had a lot of fun. So we have a lot of water under the bridge. And um, Pastor John serves on our leadership team. He's part of our deacon team. He's our business administrator. He has one of those jobs that is so behind the scenes, a lot of people don't even understand the weight that he carries around here. When you've got 250 activities a week that happen in this facility, and you have to organize and be a part of that. He has a great staff around him, but I I just love him. And and Teresa, we want to present you with a... Uh, a gift it's a bracelet to say how much we love you we know you are a part of pastor john's success and life and faithfulness and we love you and we're so proud of you and thankful when it came to um honoring uh people our deacon team has been just so gracious and loving to say that the two things that matter for for probably all of us regardless of our job that help us the most are time and money and and so we we've extended an extra uh, month uh, above your vacation in the next 12 months to take and go somewhere and we have a little bit of money to help you get there and have some fun along the way but we love you we deeply believe in you and i want you to join me and bonnie and our family in saying well done thank you for 20 years of faithful ministry at timberline would you do that with me Amen. Wow, this is this is special. Teresa and I have hearts full of gratitude this morning. Um, God has been so faithful. And he's been faithful to us, to our marriage, and to our family. And he's been faithful to this church. And we thank him for that. Pastor Derry and Bonnie, thank you for inviting us to come 20 years ago to our join privilege. this awesome team thank you for just giving us the freedom to develop our gifts and our talents through god and we appreciate that so much thank you for loving and blessing our family thank you for loving our girls allison and kimberly and we just so appreciate it thanks for your friendship and your support and your love through the years um to all the uh, my fellow pastors and to all the Credible deacons and the volunteers and all the employees that I work with on a day-to-day basis. Thank you for your support and your love and just being there as we work together. Uh, I so appreciate it. And then to Timberline Church, you. Thank you so much. Thank you for praying for us, for loving us and our family and just being there for us. And we just want to say, to God be all the glory, great things he has done. Thank you so very, very much. God bless you. Thank you. Good stuff. Wow. 
It's nice to have long-term friends in your life, and uh, I've, I've mentioned Kimberly and Allison in each of the services, and I've forgotten Kimberly's here today, so it's good to have you. And Kimberly, I won't have you come up here and preach or anything, all right? But, you know, Kimberly and Allison worked in our cafe for a while, and it's just great young women, and we thank God for them. But anyway, that's a lot of fun. Hey, in light of all of that, let me just dive right into what we're talking about today. Um, think of a person who has influenced your life. Maybe it's a teacher from first grade, a family member, a grandparent, whatever. Just think right now of a person that you say, this person really has influenced me in my life, personally, connected. I would venture to say that probably their influence in your life is not because of how much money they made. It's not because of the house they lived in, or it's not because of the things they acquired. It probably has to do with some time they spent with you, some listening, some integrity that you saw, or some quality in their life that you say, I really respect that, I admire that they they touched me with that. Why? Because we are influenced and we are changed by people who make deposits in our lives with traits we admire. That's how it happens. And today I want to talk to you about... Coaching and mentoring and and the word discipline because because these things all go together in our lives The question that I lead with is are you teachable? We would usually immediately say oh, yeah, I'm teachable (laughs) till someone tries Right and then suddenly who are they to speak into my life? I don't let everyone speak into my life But there are people I learn from everyone, but there are significant people in my life who've who've helped me change who i'm a different person now because of them and their honesty and their insight speaking into areas in my life that needed to change and i'm still on that journey and i hope you are as well the greatest athletes in the world usually hire a personal trainer a personal coach someone who helps them reach the best that they can be. Do we do that with God? In this series, we're in fit for the journey. We're wrapping it up and we're thinking about, you know, we have a craze about physical fitness in our country and there's nothing wrong with that. But what does it mean to be spiritually fit? Am I really in shape spiritually with God? My attitudes, my behaviors, my disciplines, my thought life, my heart, my passions, what I give my time and dollars to. Am I someone who God says, well done? And that's the challenge that we have today to talk about this whole thing. When I look at this guy by the name of Saul, Saul became the Apostle Paul. But for those of you who don't know the history here, he was a a pretty bad guy. Saul was arresting Christians right after the resurrection of Jesus and people started following and believing Jesus was the Messiah. Saul received orders from Jerusalem to be able to arrest people who were claiming Jesus as the Messiah and taking them back to Jerusalem. And it was creating havoc in the church. He was a scary guy. Well, guess what? God met Saul on the road to Damascus and changed his life forever. We refer to him as the Apostle Paul. Now, I'm going to read to you this passage, and I want you to listen to what happened when Saul tried to come and be at Timberline with us. Not exactly, but in that day it would be similar. He tried to come and hang out with believers. Acts 9 verse 26, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. 
They did not believe he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas, I love this guy. His name even means son of encouragement. And he's, he's an encourager. Barnabas brought him. I love those two words. It means he literally took him by the hand and said, Come on, Saul, you're coming with me. He brought him to the apostles. And then he told them. He spoke up for Saul. He told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus. And how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. Have you ever had someone stick up for you? It is a great feeling when someone says, wait a minute, I know that person. And, and that's not the kind of trait they have in their life. And when someone believes in you and they speak well of you, that's a big deal. Who is it that God's going to put in your life in these coming months that you can speak into their life, you can make a difference, and you can also let them speak into your life? There are three principles of change that I want to just bullet out there real fast. I'm going to say these real quick. And if you have a bulletin on the back page, is our outline, you can follow it along. Number one is this. You can change. People need to hear this message. I know right now the person sitting next to you is saying, no, they can't. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. God looks at you and believes and knows that you can change. And change comes in in a lot of different ways. There are Christians and non-Christians who can change. Because hard work, discipline, patterns in your life can change when you take seriously the goals that you set for yourself. Okay, so you've got to believe that you can change. The second thing is the God factor, and that is you can be changed. Saul wasn't really looking for God on the road to Damascus. God showed up and got in the face of Saul. And and some of you today could take me back to a time when God impacted your life and he changed you. We are a church that believes That the Spirit of God can do things in us miraculously that change our appetites, that renew our mind. So you can be changed. Never lose that hope. And the third part of this is that you can be part of the change in others. And this is, I think it's kind of a a cool miracle. As the family of God, we are to be change agents with each other when we are invited into one another's lives. I saw a really sad thing the other day. There's a, 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 a biker rally going on, which I love biker rallies and walking around and looking at motorcycles. I really always enjoy that. But I was in one of the, the, the places where they have all these vest patches that you can buy. And bikers have these vests and they sew all these patches on their vests. And there's, there's some really funny ones, some really great ones. And then there's some really horrible ones, okay? But, and this one that I saw, it just captured me. I just stared at it. I almost bought it just so I could hold it up. And then I thought, I don't even want to support that. But this is what it said. It had three words on it. And it said, sin, repent, repeat. Sin, repent, repeat. Sin, repent, repeat. As I, as I thought about that, and as I, I stood there just thinking, wow, is that really The lifestyle somebody wants to live? Is that really freedom? Is that really what God wants as His best for our lives? The answer is no. God wants more than that. And you and I do not have to live in that cycle. We don't have to. 
And some of you who are stuck in that cycle today, I'm realistic enough to know that many people in these auditoriums today are stuck in that cycle. And today is a day about us saying, okay, wake up. Wake up the spirit man and let's do something about that and let's trust God to help us. So the number one item in your outline is, I've just called it that naughty word. <laughs> right, write the word discipline in right there because it feels like such a naughty word sometimes. It's a, it's a hard word. Say it with me. Ready? Discipline. Just saying it uh, can make you shudder, right? Because it means I've got to do what I hate to do. It means it's not fun. It's probably not pleasurable. And we view discipline as the big bad thing that we have to do. Well, Saul, who became Paul, took in to his life a young man by the name of Timothy. Timothy became a pastor, and, and Paul starts writing him letters. And in his first letter to Timothy, in verse 5, it says this, The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from, and then there are three things. We're actually going to write these down in your bulletin in a minute. But listen carefully and look at the screen. This love comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. Those, those three things are really big. But some people have missed the whole point. They have turned away from these things and they spend their time in meaningless discussions. They want to be known as teachers of the law of Moses, but they don't know what they're talking about. Even though they speak so confidently... Paul is having a problem. Timothy's having a problem with highly educated people who are religious who simply want to win the argument. They want to boast of knowing more than someone else. And when church, when our relationship is reduced to winning the arguments about theology, we have lost the entire focus of what learning about God is. And that's why let love live is more than a theme around here. It's a mandate from God that we lead with love. The right kind of love in verse 5, it comes from those three things. Let's write them down real quick. Number one is a pure heart. Now, when, when he uses this word, a pure heart, it simply means this. Having no selfish motive or idea in mind. It's the right kind of purity that says, I'm going to love, and my love is pure. It's offered, no strings attached. Number two, a clear conscience. We're going to read in a minute about how we run over that conscience sometimes in our lives. But this isn't talking about a seared conscience. A lot of people sin and have no guilt about it because they've seared their conscience. This is talking about a clear conscience, which is clear because they are in right standing with God. And then the third one is a genuine faith. It's not just showing up at church, you know, giving your little time. This is saying, I really believe. I really have faith in God. I really trust Him with my life. It's not to perform or attain anything. The real thing never has to be defensive or prove anything. It's simply saying, I believe God. And then Paul goes on in verse 12 to say this. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him, even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. In my insolence, I persecuted his people, but God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and in unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that comes from Christ Jesus. See, this kind of love must come from God. It's not just being a nicer person. This is a miraculous moment of the love of God coming out of your life. Then he goes on to say one other thing, and I'll talk about it for a second. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. 
I am the worst of them all. Isn't that interesting that Paul gives himself that title? But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of His great patience, even with the worst sinners. That should give us all hope. Then others will realize that, and they too can believe in Him and receive eternal life. All glory and honor to God forever and ever. He is the eternal King, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. Wow. Paul does not make excuses for his wrong behavior. I love the fact that he just says, I'm the worst. I didn't deserve it. It's only by the grace of God. See, that's so untypical of our culture. You know, today, you ask people, you know, you confront them on the weakness. Well, you just don't understand. You just don't understand what I've been through. Well, I'm tired. Well, I'm this. How about, how about, how about sometimes we just say, I am wrong. What I did was awful. I accept that that was stupid. How many of you have just done something stupid? And, and, and instead of trying to sugarcoat it and make it seem okay in the scheme of things, how about we just say, this was stupid. It was ridiculous. I have no idea why I did that or how I left that in my life. Let me give you an example. And, and part of this is coming out of me because of being a pastor all these years and, and seeing people who live exactly what I'm talking about. This is just a board, okay? I'm going to use it as a, as a line. You know, we have the phrase, a line in the sand kind of thing. I'm going to make a line here. Now, this line is going to represent something. It's going to represent that line that I'm not supposed to cross according to God's words, absolute strengths. What is sin? There's some gray area there for different people. I, and I know that. There are things some people abuse, other people don't abuse. And is it sin for some and not for others? Possibly. But, but what happens in our, in our world is, Satan, we're in a battle for our lives. How many of you know that? Temptation is not going to ever go away. You're going to always be tempted. Get that in your head. Then you'll watch for it. You won't be ignorant about it. There's a, there's a bullseye on your head. And Satan takes you right up to the line. And, and it's just wonderful. And you see the line and you think, well, to cross that line is probably not best for me. And, 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 and then what happens is the grass looks greener over there. And so I'll just nibble a little. And what happens when I cross that line with, without even realizing it? Here's what typically happens. No consequences. See, I grew up and my dad put the fear of God in me. That if I cross the line, there's going to be a lightning bolt that comes out of heaven and zaps me dead. Right? So, so when, when I've crossed that line a few times in my life, I'm just going, no lightning bolt. And what happens for people is, then they come on over and they say, wow. This isn't that bad. Maybe this is just freedom. Maybe this is just something I can enjoy. Maybe the line wasn't there after all. And, and before you know it, and here's what Satan does. That's green grass over there. And all of a sudden, you see people stepping over the line into this, and now they know it's wrong. Now, this is starting to feel like an addiction. Now, it's hidden, and there's no consequence. At least no one knows. At least they're not publicly humiliated yet. That's why we're all so shocked when God finally exposes someone's sin. It's always been there. It's just that God's grace hasn't exposed it. And we're all trapped in some ways by some of these types of behaviors. 
And, and I'm, just, I'm just at a place in my life where I want to say to you, I just want to say, what are you doing over here? How did we get over here? And can we own the responsibility to say, I'm not called by God to live here. You know, someone a few months ago said to me, you know, we need some more hellfire and brimstone around here. So there you go. There you go. Just for you. <laughs> right? right? <laughs> May it singe the hair of your armpits. <laughs> Guys, this, we, we want a message of love in our church, but God loves us so much. What are we doing living our life at a two? And we get this cycle going on in our life. Paul says, I was the worst. I, I did it. Sometimes we need to just stop and say, okay, I am not doing that anymore say well i can't help it yes you can that's the mental problem that we have in our culture i know addictions are real i'm not talking about mental illness i'm talking about people who choose daily to walk across that line and they sear their conscience and they wonder where god is they wonder why god doesn't hear their prayers they wonder why they feel faithless okay that's enough i'm totally lost now i don't even know where i went Number two, the aspects of mankind. That's where I'm at, right? Verse 7, 1 Timothy 4, 7. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training, he says, and by the word, this word is the word gymnasium, which we get our word gymnasium from. Physical training. Paul's using this analogy of people who work out in a gym, athletes who are, are training. He says that's really good, but training for godliness is even better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. There are eternal ramifications. Then he says, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to what? To struggle. Say that word with me. Struggle. That's a really important word for us today. The, the word that he uses here is agonosia, which we get our word to agonize. And, and here's the deal. Don't forget this. Living for God and living holy sometimes is agonizing. When you discipline your mind to say no, why? Because human pleasure is wonderful. There are temptations that we are sucked into. There are life challenges that we want. Our human nature, nature wants that. It wants to taste it. It wants to see it. It wants to feel it. And it's agonizing sometimes to bend our mind and our will into the shape of Jesus Christ. And it's tough. And it's not going to be easy. And I wish I could stand up here and say, oh, just pray a little prayer. Lord, help me now. And all of a sudden, the temptation's gone. Everything's good. I'm living in freedom and I'm happy. No. This is a lifetime commitment that you and I have to make to say, I know which side of the fence I'm going to walk on. I'm going to live there. I'm going to stay there. Will it mean without error? Will it mean without struggle? No, you will struggle. But that's what I want to be burned into your brain today. Fight. Fight the good fight. It's worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for. Wow. Timothy made this decision in his life. Who's speaking in your life? Just to bring this to a close. Who's, who's able to, to talk into your life? How many of you are in a small group? How many of you have someone who can get in your face and tell you the truth about you? 
Okay? I would just encourage <laughs> I can see some of you like, yeah, boy. <laughs> Listen, this, when I'm talking about accountability, I'm not talking about someone who's mad at you and wants to beat you up. I'm talking about the people who love you enough to say, hey, we need to talk about this. I see this little trend. Man, Bonnie and I have had so many hearts, heart-to-hearts about things in my life and her life and together in our marriage. And some of the best results are when we're both brutally honest. And it's not always, it's, sometimes it hurts. And you, you say, well, this is what I'm feeling, and how can we do better? And, and, and you work through it. And when I have people in my life, which I do, who can say, Derry, I see this little attitude. I see this little whatever. And, and I'm like, really? Man, I don't want that in my life. How did I get that? And, and you start to, iron sharpens iron. But we, we, we yield to that correction. And we say, I want that. Why? Because I want to be the best God wants me to be. I want that for you. And I don't want you just to live in that cycle of sin, repent, repeat, sin, repent, repeat. God wants more than that. Finally, he says, Do not neglect the spiritual gift you receive through the prophecy spoken over you. And the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters. And look at this last line. And we'll fill in our last thing in the bulletin. Look look at what it says. Throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. It's not quite violent language what Paul does, but it's close. Throw yourself. It's, it's a verb that literally is like, don't just hang your toe over the dock and feel the temp of the water. It's saying, you are about to get ready and you're going to jump. Throw yourself into these tasks so that others will say, They are agonizing in the struggle for the glory of God. They have a passion and a desire to reach their potential in Jesus Christ. What are you throwing yourself into these days? What are you throwing yourself into? Does that challenge you like it does me? Last couple things. Pay attention to your patterns. And and this is what I want to leave with you because I think this matters a ton. All of us are going to have little weak, what I call glitches, where the light, you know, lightning hits and there's a rattle in the power box or whatever. But, but that's not necessarily a pattern. How many of you have just kind of lost your temper for a moment and said something you thought, that was dumb, I shouldn't have said that. But it's not a pattern in your life. It's just a moment that you had. But I want you to think about the patterns. Two kinds of patterns. One are positive patterns. And I think we fail to look at those in our life. I wonder if you could right now say, write down three positive disciplines in your life that have become patterns. I did this for me. And I've got to tell you, I was happy that I wrote, I wrote some things down that I feel really good about that 10 years ago I did not have in my life. And, and I've put disciplines in my life to help me. I don't mean this out of arrogance. I mean it out of humility to say, there can be patterns. I have some patterns in my life that I like. But the second thing is destructive patterns. And, and every now and then when I look at the patterns of my life, not just the one glitches, but the, the patterns to say, who am I becoming? Where will I be a year or two from now? If I keep this, if I keep this angst, if I, if I keep this attitude toward that person, if I, if, I, if I don't pay attention to this, I'm going to become just like them. And so I have to step back and say, I don't want a pattern of thinking, of talking, of gossiping, of, of letting it go. You know, I want to somehow say, God, please check those things in my life. We can't just be people who live for good old number one. Narcissism is alive and well in our culture today. And people come to church and say, feed me. Instead of wanting to invest in others. 
we want to feed you, but guess what? It's your job to feed yourself. I mean, we have a little nest with a little bird, and they had babies, and you look in that little hole, and there's this open mouth. And mama comes in here, they're all excited. Mom pops the worm in there, and man, they're happy, and the next one lines up. You know, and it's just feed, 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 feed. And if we're not careful, we fall into the trap of warriors walking with God, who it's all about us instead of about them. Instead of about the people we should love and care about and one another. Take it, take in a deep breath and hold it. Ready? Go. Okay, hold it. Don't exhale. Whatever you do, don't do it. Now take a little more breath in. You can do it. Don't exhale. Take a little more breath in. Ready? Big one. Let's just keep doing that for five or ten minutes here. <laughs> okay. Why doesn't that work? Because we are designed to be people who breathe in and breathe out. We are designed to be people who take in, but we give out the same amount in order to take something else in. And when we walk with God, you guys, it's very important for us to understand the power of speaking into other people's lives as we take in knowledge and faith and hope and love. And then we give out. And we care about things that other people don't care for. We serve where others are not serving. We look around the room in a different way to say, how can I make a difference in this world? Then we breathe in and take care of us. And we read and we we feed our soul. But then we breathe out and we say, how can I serve? It's a picture of a healthy person. It's a picture of a healthy church. I want that for you. I, I really do. I feel passionate about that this weekend. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the faith that you have in us. Blows my mind. God, I just pray. I pray for people in these auditoriums right now that need hope. And and maybe they've, they've tried and they're in that cycle and they're embarrassed by it. I ask you to give them the fortitude right now to own it and to not be embarrassed, but to be dependent on you, to run to you today. And to be thankful for your mercy and grace. Guys, it doesn't help just to live in humility, embarrassment, embarrassment and say, Oh, I'm a failure. I can't do it. I'm in the cycle. No, if you're in the cycle, let's pray for you today. And here's, here's the first thing that I want to pray over people. If you need the hope to believe you can change. Because I'll tell you, the minute you say, I can't change, I've tried, you're done. But that's where a lot of people live. Because you've tried and tried and tried. And, and today we've got we've to take charge of some things that allow God to be God in us. And we have to have the hope that we can change. So that's my first plea to you is to say, okay, I'm going to raise my hand believing. And guys, this could just be a simple attitude that maybe isn't even sin. It's just a pattern that you're in. Or it could be a, a super addiction that is about to take your life out. But either way, I want you to lift your hand. I believe today... I can change by the strength of God. Hold your hand up. I can change. God, help us in this moment to believe this, to know this, to not give in to these patterns, but to somehow trust you to help us through and to put accountability and structure in our lives where there's a difference made. The people, God, who can ask us the good questions that help us become the people of God. Secondly, how many of you will say, I will make a willful effort in these next months 
to be unafraid. You don't have to lift, lift your hand to this, but just acknowledge it. I will invest in some other people. I need, I, need to, I need to breathe out a little bit. I need to be giving. And it, it doesn't mean you pick that person and run up to them and say, guess what? I'm going to start telling you what to do because I see some things in your life. That's not it. It's you being available to see an open door, an opportunity where there's a need and someone trusts you. And you listen to their story and you take them with you on the journey. And you give them the nuggets that you have developed in your life. And believe me, all of us have some. People need your counsel, your wisdom, your insight. Lord, we say yes to that today. We really do. And lastly, some of you who need to change the big pattern. And maybe you didn't used to be like this, but you're in a stuck pattern now. And God's convicted you. Thank God for His conviction. You haven't seared your conscience. And you're open and you're tender. Lord, let us look at our patterns today and help us to see where we have need of you for the changes only you can bring. We trust you in that. For your glory, we pray these things. Amen. You guys, this really isn't a commercial because it's, it's a truth. Next Sunday night, not tonight, but next Sunday night, we have this connection meeting for our small groups. We're starting a series on the book of Ecclesiastes this fall. Jeff, Dick, Rob, and I have worked really hard we've produced some dvds with the teaching like we've done before here at timberline it's a hard book to teach and we're going to dive into some big things in life and patterns man it's challenging but i would love to invite you we have all of our small group leaders that are going to be here next sunday night and it's from five to six and it's just some nachos and stuff for you to walk around. We have, we have groups that meet in the morning, at noon, at night. Some meet here. Some meet in homes. Different cities around northern Colorado. I would love for you to say we're going to get in a small group for these 11 weeks or whatever it is on the book of Ecclesiastes. But make it a point to do something. If you don't do that, make yourself available to others and others, other people's uh, in other ways. Because God will bless that. And he will help you. I know he will. I want to have one final prayer before we take our offering today. They were here in the last service, and that's Rich and Becky Dixon. Rich is going to ride his wheelchair bike uh, down the river. They leave Thursday to do the ride. If you've been around Timberline, you know we're going to track them and follow them. And Dick interviewed him a few weeks ago up here on the platform. And just some great people. And so I just want us to pray for the Dixons. They're our friends. When, and we're going to be showing you hopefully some little short video clips of Rich uh, doing his ride. So, Lord, thank you for Rich and Becky. Bless them. Encourage them. Be strong in them as our brothers and sisters. Let them know your protection over them. In Jesus' name.